news, information, and talk for the Fox Valley. The big one, AM 1280 WBIG, Aurora, Naperville. God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ, He is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, Jesus Christ, He is the truth, and He is the life. He is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day -day circumstances of life. God's love for you knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We've got a live audience in the studio. One of the local Bible study fellowships that meets on Sunday morning is here today. So welcome, everybody. You can say hi if you'd like. <laughs> there we go. Great to have you here. We'll hear some wonderful music. We'll read some of the Bible together regarding the topic of seeking our Heavenly Father. And in the second half hour, our guest interview is with a wonderful minister of God's Word from Colorado Springs. He has studied the Bible for over 35 years, and his expertise is the Old Testament. From Faithful Stewards Bible Ministries, we'll speak with Jim Melton. Let's start off with this song by Planet Shakers, Nothing is Impossible.
Let me ask a question. What do we seek for day to day? What do we pursue to attain and consider to be of great value? Where is our time and energy spent? I'd venture to say that many in our day and time seek for riches, honor, and the praise of men. There are some today, though, that seek after God and the things of God. Those that do seek after God are at times dismissed by the world as being a little off or living to an undesirable extreme. It's relatively easy to follow the masses and pursue after riches, honor, and the praise of men. It is not always easy to follow after God and His heart in this messed up world. Sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle, almost as if you're like a fish fighting to get upstream, until your seeking of God flows from your heart. Then it becomes first nature. Then you have joy that's irreplaceable by the happiness offered by the world. We're going to look at some awesome verses today where we'll see that there's great reward for the individual whose life flows out from the seeking of the one true God. If you have your Bible handy and if you'd like to follow along, you're welcome to. And in Psalm 119 is where we'll start. Verse 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. The Amplified Bible reads that verse, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and crave him with your whole heart. What is it to crave? It's to desire for, to yearn for. We're to yearn, to know intimately with our whole heart, our Heavenly Father. Let's look at Psalm 27, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing, verse 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life is to be in his presence all the days of our lives, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Is there someone whose presence you desire to be in all the days of your life? David here, the psalmist, he sought the presence of the Lord. He desired to see the beauty of his God and to reflect and meditate on his words. Psalm 40, verse 16 let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. I love his salvation. He has given me eternal life. I'm sure you love his salvation. He has given you eternal life. If you believe on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you've confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, I want to say like the psalmist every day, all the time, the Lord be magnified. You know, we can say that in English or your native tongue, whatever it might be, if it's different than English. But we can also magnify the Lord today by way of the Spirit when we speak in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, verse 46, it says, They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. To magnify God is to praise and to declare Him as great and mighty and powerful and wonderful. 
Those of us that love his salvation are to continually magnify the Lord God Almighty. Let's continue in Psalm. Let's look at Psalm 34, verse 1 is where we'll start. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 3. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Do you have fear in your life? In any area? Much of life today is built on fear. Fear of not having enough, fear of what others may think of you, fear of dying, fear of you fill in the blank. It says here, seek the Lord. He will hear you and he will absolutely deliver you from all your fears. Let's continue in verse 5. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Never be ashamed of God and his deliverance which he has wrought in your life. God is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to call you his child. Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call us his brethren. Verse 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. You know, I feel like that sometimes. This poor man cries, God hears me, and he delivers me out of all my troubles. All of them. He always does. He's a faithful, loving, heavenly father. Verse 7, The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that reverence him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Taste and see. Give God a chance. Seek God and magnify him and trust him and see the blessings and abundance he has for you. He is always good. He never gives anything that would harm you. He loves you. Verse 9. O reverence the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no lack to them that reverence him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Those that seek the Lord, it says, shall not lack any good thing. Let's uh, go into the New Testament and we'll take a look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And this might be a very familiar section of Scripture for many of us, but here in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 19 and read through the end of the chapter. And in this section, we will see the difference between trusting God and having our mind distracted from trusting God. And also in this section of Scripture, there are many customs, uh, figures of speech, and idioms that are unique to the day and time of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the 1950s and 1960s, there was a a wonderful man of God, Bishop Casey Pillai. He did a great deal of work in this area to make known the true meaning behind some of these scriptures. When Jesus Christ spoke what we will read here in Matthew, his audience knew exactly what he was saying. We will look at these verses in light of this understanding. Let's start in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures... And that word treasures is better translated thoughts. Lay not up for yourselves thoughts upon earth. Thoughts upon earth are material or carnal thinking. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. Moth stands for fear. Rust stands for worry. 
Corrupt means to breed or to grow. And where thieves, which are doubts, break through and steal, and to steal is to cause frustration and defeat. So we're not to lay up for ourselves thoughts upon material things or carnal thinking, where fear and worry will breed or grow, where doubts will break through and cause great frustration and defeat in our lives. Isn't it so true that when we do have fear and worry, that we're defeated and frustrated? Well, we're going to see here as we read through these verses how to get out of that cycle. Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures or thoughts in heaven. In heaven would be spiritual matters, God's word, where neither moth nor rust, where neither fear nor worry doth corrupt or breed, and where doubts do not break through and steal or cause frustration and defeat. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, where your thoughts are, where your thinking is, there will your heart be also. The mind, it's the doorkeeper to your heart. What you dwell upon, what you dwell upon in your thinking is where your heart will end up, whether it be good or bad. Remember from Proverbs chapter 4, we've read that one in, in previous shows, where it shows, says all the issues of our life come from our heart. Verse 22, the light of the body, and that word body is the word life, the light of your life is the eye. The eye is the spiritual understanding. So the light of your life is spiritual understanding. If therefore thine life be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The light of your life is your spiritual understanding. For your eye to be single, it means that your life is centered on God, that your heart is seeking and craving the one true God. When your eye is single, it's because your thoughts have been centered in God and his goodness. The issues of your life become the path which God has laid out for you, which is the greatness of living life that you have been destined to by the freedom of your will, as you seek the Father and as you obey his will. Verse 23, But if thine eye, if your spiritual understanding be evil or dark, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, if your spiritual understanding is dark because of either not knowing God or through a wrong dividing and understanding of God's word, which issues in error, then your life is full of darkness. If the one who is in this state of spiritual darkness thinks that they are walking in light, but in truth they're not, it says here, how great is that darkness? Not a good place to be. Verse 24, no man can serve, and to serve means to be committed to or to be sold out to. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon, that's the, the riches of the world and the pride of life. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not your life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Take no thought for your life here, does not mean that we don't think about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear 
because obviously we have to think, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What it means is don't be mentally distracted. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are ye not much better than they? Have you ever seen a starving bird? No, neither have I. God takes care of birds. Aren't you more valuable than a bird? I would say so, absolutely. Verse 27, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Can you think your way to grow another inch or two? No, it's impossible. Verse 28, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Those lilies, they just grow. Verse 29, And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God clothes the grass of the field with the lilies, and it's beautiful. Don't you think he'll clothe you? He absolutely will, and he does. Verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, and that take no thought means don't be anxious or worried about saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, or all of the nations of the world seek for this. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, food, clothing, all your material need shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't be mentally distracted. Don't be anxious about the distractions of tomorrow. Today is today. Tomorrow has not yet arrived. And we don't ever have to be mentally distracted. We don't ever have to be anxious about any need that we might have in our life. For just as the Heavenly Father takes care of the, the birds, the sparrows, just as he clothes the grass of the field with lilies, he surely will take care of you, his child. We are to desire God in the things of God. Seek his face, and he will make known himself unto your heart. Seek his righteousness and his kingdom, and he takes care of your physical need. We don't have to get all worried and shook like those that serve the world. We don't live for the riches of the world and the pride of life. Let's move into the New Testament in Philippians here. We see a very interesting section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is referring to Timothy who sought the things of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. And your state is, how are you doing in your relationship with your heavenly Father? That's your state. Paul was interested in how the Philippian believers were doing, that they were still standing on God's word. 
verse 20 says, For I have no man like-minded, and that word like-minded literally means equal-souled. Paul says, I have no man who is equal-souled or like-minded as I am who will naturally care for your state. It was Timothy's natural action and desire to take care of their state, their walk with God. How would he do that? Well, he would encourage God's people with God's word. He would pray with them, and he would minister to them. It was his desire to care for God's people. Verse 21, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. The others, they seeked or diligently pursued after their own pursuits, whether that be selfish motives, the pride of life, the riches of this world. Verse 22, But you know the proof or the integrity of Timothy, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I also myself shall come shortly. What a wonderful heart Timothy had. He sought the Father, and in his seeking of the Father, the Father made known his will unto him and that will was to encourage the believers. That will was to minister to the believers. That will was to take care of God's people. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It starts out the word if. Really, that word if should be better translated since. Since ye then be risen with Christ, seek or diligently pursue after those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. How are we going to diligently pursue after those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God? That's what I want to do. I'm sure that's what you desire to do. Well, the next verse gives us one of the great ways that we can do just that. Verse 2, set your affection. And that word affection is better translated thoughts. Set your thoughts on things above, not on things on the earth. It's something we do. We set our thoughts on things above. Where do we discover the things that are above? In God's Word. Specifically for you and I today, that's the church epistles, Romans through Thessalonians. We are the ones that must control our thoughts to dwell on the goodness of God. We meditate on the Word of God as David did in Psalms. We delight in our Heavenly Father and all His magnificent work. You know, if we don't control our thoughts to dwell on the goodness of God, then the world will surely fill your mind with its words. Your thoughts could possibly become the latest Hollywood gossip, or lyrics from the latest pop song, or thoughts of anxiety and fear due to the state of the wicked and perverse world that we live in. It says here we are to set our thoughts on things above, rejoicing in all that our Father has done for us in Christ. Verse 3, For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Our life is hid with Christ in God. To know Christ is to know yourself. We have Christ within, our hope of glory. just want to reference uh, the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 12, where it says, The works that Jesus Christ did, we are to do also, and even greater works. Well, what are some of the works that Jesus Christ did? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He comforted the sorrowful. He gave peace to the brokenhearted. That's your life. That's my life. Our life is found in Christ. 
1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2. Beloved, now, now, not someday, not tomorrow, not when you die, not when the Lord returns, right now, today, are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then back to verse 4 in Colossians chapter 3. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The Lord Jesus Christ, he shall absolutely return someday. And when he does, you shall appear with him in glory. What a privileged life we have to seek the one true God, to allow him to make himself known unto us, and then for each of us to live the calling which he has called us to. No one in the family of God is insignificant. All in the family of God are valuable to the Father. Each of us, from the youngest to the oldest, we all have a purpose that the Father will make known as you seek him first and as you trust him with your life. Sure. 
Our guest today has studied the Bible for over 35 years. He has made multiple trips to the Holy Lands. His expertise is in the Old Testament, and he has taught at several churches and Bible fellowships, not only throughout the country but around the world on various topics from the Old Testament. He's a minister in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he's founder of Faithful Stewards Bible Ministries. I'd like to welcome to the show Jim Melton. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Greg. Good well, to see you. Yeah, it's good to have Thanks you in studio today. Appreciate that. Let's start off. Can you tell us a little bit about your testimony of when and how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I was a science teacher in Indianapolis, uh, which, uh, looking for God, I wasn't finding him in, in uh, the denominations I had been involved with. And there, I had a number of scientific questions that never were getting answered. And then one day... I had a conversation with somebody who showed me certain things from the Bible dealing with Genesis and how uh, science fits with the Word of God. And it surprised me that there were real answers there, and I did the tell me more. And here I am, 35 some years later, still teaching people about uh, science and the Bible, but with the Bible being the front and true science working off of it. Today, your expertise in the scriptures is in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific incident that prompted you to begin studying the Old Testament to the depth that you do today? Well, I've always uh, been interested in history because a lot of times to understand where you're at today, you've got to look at the people and the things that lead you to that type of a situation. And uh, having an understanding of the Old Testament helps you to understand, first off, what Christ needed to do to accomplish our salvation. And then secondly, many times the... uh, in the Word of God, the, the New Testament is much shorter with the full illustrations being in the Old Testament. So I spent a lot of time reading and realized a lot of people were confused by the Old Testament. So I started systematically going through it with a group of people, and that has evolved into five different seminars, many trips to the Middle East, and other things like that. What are those five seminars that you currently do on the Old Testament? Well, I do Genesis, Exodus, um, Joshua Judges Ruth, Proverbs, the Heart of David. The Heart of David is interesting because mm-hmm. I not only work through uh, Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, but we go to the Psalms and you see his heart of what he was going through at the time of the different situations. Well, yeah, yeah, and God says David had a heart uh, that was after his own heart. Correct. And <laughs> so because of that, I was like, well, 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 you know, many places you just have the recording, many times just historically, but to really see the depths of the individual of what he was going through, God recorded that in Psalms. And so you could read what happened historically with David, and then you could read how he got his heart right with God and what he had to go through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then you mentioned there, too, that you've been to Israel, uh, the Holy Land, multiple times. Um, In your journeys of walking the paths of the Old Testament prophets and the Lord Jesus Christ when you were over there, uh, what has been one of the more memorable moments for you during your time in Israel? Well, probably the the, the two biggest things was first off being up at the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is very serene, very quiet, and you can see why Jesus chose that area 
because of the natural amphitheaters that are there around the Sea of Galilee. But people could get away from the cities, and they could have n- no distractions. Of course, there's great records of where he had to feed everybody, but there's no distractions out there, and the people just come and sit. And you could just see the, the whole fields being loaded with people as they were searching for Jesus and where he was teaching around the Sea of Galilee. And then second, we were at Nuiba Beach in um, the Sinai Peninsula where the actual crossing of the Red Sea took place. And you could see where the sand, the beginning of the sandbar that God had been prepared for thousands of years just for Moses and the crossing that was going on there. And so going to that location, going through the canyon, the wadi, and then coming out on the beach and seeing where they were really stuck and there was no place they could go. So you're actually seeing living history hmm. by being at those locations. You know the biblical records, but then you can see you can see the actual mountains coming to the sea, how far they had to cross, what God had done to, again, show his greatness and how he will take care of us in all situations. And when you're over there going through those different locations, would you say that most of them are biblically accurate or are some of them a lot of denominationally accurate? You need to do your homework. Uh, I'll give you a great example. It says in Galatians that Mount Sinai is in Arabia. Well, that's Saudi Arabia today, but the general acceptance is in the Sinai Peninsula, which is part of Egypt. That's not Arabia. So just by going to the scriptures and starting with the scriptures first, then you're able to locate the true locations. And when you start looking back at the history of how some of the sites were, were chosen, you start realizing that they weren't chosen because of the Bible, but they actually were chosen for profit by individuals. Mm. I'll tell you a quick story here. When I was in uh, Jerusalem one time, somebody told me the actually told me the the tree that Jesus used to like like to pray under an olive tree of course that was 2,000 years ago not many olive trees can live 2,000 years but this one guy yeah this was his favorite tree so these are the type of things you have to avoid Mm -hmm. so you got to do your biblical homework first to know what you're supposed to be looking for and everything in the Bible needs to be there and it is Jim we know that the Old Testament was written for our learning and it's not directly addressed to us as members of the body of Christ In what way has your understanding of the Old Testament enhanced your understanding and application of the New Testament church epistles? Again, if you look at the Bible, you'll see that the Old Testament is quite larger than the New Testament. And God just didn't record it. It says that it's there for our learning. And many times he'll make a point dealing with grace or mercy or forgiveness. And then you could go to the Old Testament and you can see great records of how God really dealt with his people because he always kept forgiving them, kept giving them second chances, third chances, fourth chances, Mm. and all of that to come back to him, but also in individuals' lives. Uh, and saw in uh, Hebrews 11, of course, lays out a number of the great, not just prophets, but, you know, because Sarah's in there too, but it's just great people, great believers who did exactly that. They had great faith in God, great believing that God would take care of them, and he did. And so many times when you read the New Testament, you see the principles, but you can see greater clarification and understanding of how God took care of his people, how God forgave his people, how God worked with his people, and how much he wanted, he wanted to do things and will continue to do things for us today, like he did with Moses, for example. They talk about the, the ingreatness of the man, but he had what he endured while leading the children of Israel for those 40 years was incredible. So as you see all the different things, and, and he was a human. He made mistakes. Same with David. But because of what they did for God in the relationship, the heart-to-heart relationships, it says that Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house. Too many people are faithful in their own house, but it says that he was faithful in God's mm-hmm. house. That's a big deal. So basically, again, you see a lot of the enhancements or the larger testimonials that really come from the Old Testament that God had put there for individuals to see from the New Testament, how it's laid out, 
the principles in the New Testament and an ex- explanation of further enhancement in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great, too, to be able to look at those records of those men and women because, you know, some people that maybe look at Christianity as if uh, Christians are to be perfect. Correct. And, uh, we're not because we believe in the one who is perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see the records time and time again in the Old Testament that these were very imperfect human beings, but yet God's grace, love, and mercy covered to a tremendous extent. Well, in Romans it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory. And when you, you see what we consider some of the great pillars of the church in Abraham, and you see it in Moses and David, that uh, they were. They were human. They made mistakes. They were faced with, a, you know, David ran a kingdom. Uh, but it's, it says that he would still meditate on the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, and Daniel, Daniel prayed three times a day, but he was he ran the Babylonian Empire, right. one of the greatest empires in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. But he could do it because he tapped into God's power, and he did communicate with him. He prayed three times a day, and it wasn't just for meals. He was doing it to get information on how to do his job properly, and he did it. Joseph. See, one of the other great things that you see with these men is that other people recognized they had a connection with God. They had the Spirit of God upon them, and they had a connection with God. They listened to God, and they got great results, and that's something that we can all do today because it's now available for men, women, young, old, freemen, servants. It's available for everybody today. Testament was only certain people who had Mm -hmm. the Spirit upon them. But those who did developed an incredible relationship from God and others saw it to the point of jealousy and other Mm -hmm. things, of course, in Daniel's case. Right, right. And I think one of the great things I enjoy when I read the Old Testament is to see God's grace and mercy in people's lives. And that, that same grace and mercy is extended toward us and even to a greater degree because we have spirit, we're complete in Christ, and it's not something we can lose as they could lose it in the Old Testament. So, like you said, surely you see the New Testament in the Old Testament. The New Testament is revealed in the Old Testament. You see it You see it in many places. It's just like the Old Testament is hidden with the New Testament. And as you go through it, you start realizing how well they work together. But the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all he had. He had the Old Testament scrolls. And he saw the prophecies about himself. And he saw the different ways that God worked with his people. But he had to go back and look at it. And he had to go, okay, was, Mo, you know, was Moses a real person? Did he go through the, the temptations and trials that he did? How did he work with people? So he went back and looked at all these different people too and understood the scriptures because over a hundred times in the gospels he quotes the old testament mm-hmm. now you know in light of the many trips that you've made to israel i don't know how many years it's been since you were last there but but today if someone desired to make a trip to the holy land would you recommend maybe a best way for them to go about to set up that trip or is there a recommended ministry or or tour company that will take someone to the biblically accurate locations basically today because of the instability uh, in Egypt, I've been there a number of times, and uh, it would be very difficult to go to some of the places. But I highly recommend anybody making the trip there because of the living history. Everywhere you go, you see a mountain, you know, and over there's uh, where Deborah and Barak took place. Uh, mm-hmm. You look at, like you said, the Sea of Galilee. You got Megiddo. Uh, you've got the whole coastline, and then. Uh, of course, Jerusalem and Bethlehem and, and the, the Nazareth, and they're finding uh, out because of the archaeological digs that Sepphoris was a huge Roman city right next to Nazareth, where many carpenters would have been employed. Mm-hmm. So Jesus's earlier life would have been there as a carpenter working. And when when you, when you say carpenter too in that time frame, you're talking about more like a cement person than than woodworking because there isn't a lot of wood. So they did a lot of mud brick and cement on different things like that as far as building things. So again, understanding. Uh, uh, the Orientalisms and, and, and really the culture 
and then being able to go over and specifically then see what the landscape is like, what the geography of the area is like. Jerusalem sits on, on a hill and it's got three valleys around it, so they had big walls to the north of it. So anybody who has an opportunity to go, I highly recommend it because of seeing living history but you've got to know the Bible first because there's, there's a lot of things, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of things that people will throw out that they say is accurate and it really isn't. So do your homework first. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's many different groups that have been there many times. And unfortunately, you, you never know what might happen over there. But uh, for the most part, it's safe and you'll be able to see many of the, of the major places that you would like to see Jerusalem course the Sea of Galilee like I said Nazareth is available but it's difficult to go to someplace like Samaria today and other parts of the West Bank uh, Masada is available and that's where Sodom, oh actually that's where Gomorrah is is right at the foot of Masada hmm. which was really an interesting thing picking up brimstone so that's part of why it, the living history is there for you and it talks about it in Peter where Sodom and Gomorrah are to be utilized as examples for the people and the people at that day and time knew where that was and over at, like I said, at Masada and further down at Sodom, because you have a whole uh, area of stone, natural stuff, and then there's a whole area of this white ashen material with brimstone throughout it, and it's it's right, uh, it's like streets driving through, and it's a two-level Canaanitish type house, housing, the way they used to build their neighborhoods, and you've got turrets and writing, all the stuff that wouldn't happen by accident and you can't burn the stuff because it's already totally burnt Hmm. and so you have at Masada is where Gomorrah was and it's the most it only rains one day a year and so (laughs) it's one of those where it's pretty pretty well you know what you're looking for so there's things like that where you really can see the Bible come real so Peter talks about how it's an example you can go there and still can be an example today Mount Sinai is supposed to be in Arabia. So that's what I'm saying is do your homework first on the Bible and Mm -hmm. then go over there and you can see many of the sites. So many companies uh, do tours of different areas and they keep a pulse of places you can go and where you can't go. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent, excellent. Jim, as we close out our conversation, is there something on your heart today that you would like to share with our listeners to encourage them with the things of God and God's Word? Well, it always starts with the Word of God because that's the most accurate uh, description we have. I recently did did some teaching and some work on the Bible as scientifically, historically, and archaeologically accurate. And really, it always starts with... You, you can't find some of these people. You know, Biblical Archaeology Review magazines had an article recently where 50 of the people in the Bible we have found. Well, I kind of think everybody in the Bible is real. And so you can't go to science or archaeology first. You go to the Bible first. It would be amazing how much further we'd be along scientifically if we didn't think the earth was flat or that the earth, the sun revolved around the earth and some of the early things. When mm-hmm. you, again, start with the Bible and then go out from that, true science, true history, true archaeology, true life, comes from all of that. And, of course, it also leads you to Jesus Christ there. So, really, the the biggest recommendation I have is start with the Word of God. Take the necessary time to read it and to understand it. As far as understanding the Old Testament, the best way to do it is just start reading it and thinking about it. I know Hmm. it's pretty novel, but that's really just continue to read it and think about it. Uh, And then if you've got interest in certain books, there are people, places online where you can go to get further explanations. But again, everything has to fit with the word first. And so that's where you always have to start there. Okay. And if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, maybe they want to have you come in and and teach on the Old Testament at their church or their Bible study, what would be the best way for someone to contact you? 
through our ministry, Faithful Steward Bible Ministries, we have a, w- a website, and from there, there's the connections to get a hold of me and, and uh, a list of all the different seminars that are available. So faithfulstewardsbibleministries.com. Okay, great. I'll put a link up to okay. our website on our website for that as well. Thank you, Jim, very much for uh, spending some time with us today and sharing your heart. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for inviting me. Alrighty. God bless you. God bless you.
Show me the path of life In thy presence is fullness of joy At thy right hand there are pleasures Truth, the path of 
I'd like to close our show with a couple of verses here from Philippians chapter 4, uh, something for us to think about today and through the week. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6, Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So I, I encourage us this week, today, don't be anxious about things. Don't be mentally distracted about the circumstances of life. But in contrast, seek the Lord and go to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests being made known unto him. And what will the result of that be? Verse 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a wonderful way to live to let that peace of God reign within our hearts, knowing that our Heavenly Father loves us, cares for us, and supplies all that we need in every situation we might find ourselves in. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. Thank you to Jim Melton for sharing his heart and life. And also thank you to our live studio audience. One of the local Bible fellowships came down this morning. It was wonderful having them here in the studio. All of the Solution Radio shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also, on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. If you'd like your event listed, please send the information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day, where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. That number is 844 844- 705-3410 Please keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show uh, Many countries around the world uh, listen on the replay off the website Actually this week we had two new countries added, uh, both Japan and Iran Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002 Naperville, Illinois 60567 Send us a note, we'd love to hear from you the Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. There is a donation link available on our website. Also, thank you to our sponsors today, the Carter Group with offices in Chicago, Dallas, and Minneapolis, Integrity Mortgage and Financial in Colorado Springs, Colorado, John's Handyman Service in the Aurora, Naperville area, Morningstar Computer Training and Consulting in the Aurora, Naperville area, Please visit the sponsors page on our website to find out more information about the Solution Radio Show sponsors. Thank you to our engineer and production support, Bill Albecker. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best. You're tuned to The Big One, 
1280 WBIG Aurora Naperville.